Welcome to The Partition, home of kinky wellness with Dana and Kat. Together, we give a new voice to kinky sexual wellness. We're not your average wellness advocates, so let's peel back the layers of kinky wellness and talk about it. Hello and welcome back, Katrina. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So in this episode, Kat and I will be talking about a TED Talk done by Mariah Faya called It's Never Too Late for Good Sex. Mariah founded Be Educated, which is an online platform that educates sex is a lifelong learning process and provides content to improve one's sex life and relationship to pleasure. In her talk, she explains how to have better sex in each phase of one's life and how this could not only lead to better orgasms, but ultimately a healthier society. So I can start with one of the most facts that I found was telling in her, even though it has nothing to do with the stages, just the fact that a woman needs 13 minutes and 46 seconds to reach an <laughs> orgasm with another person. It's um, the 46 seconds that counts. It's the 46 seconds part <laughs> that I love the most. So I'm like, okay, under 14 minutes. Yeah. I was like, although she did say that was like a straight woman. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, I've never taken that long to, I say that. And then I've probably taken it. Like I've probably edged myself for about an hour with my toys. So, <laughs> Well, I was going to say, I can crush that in seconds when it's just by myself. Like when it's with another person, yeah, that's different. But when it's just me, that's funny. I, I don't know. Is 13 minutes the average? I don't think I've really ever asked my girlfriends or any women that I know, like, hey, do you on average know how long it takes you to get off with your partner? So like, stop, watch, go. <laughs> yeah. But I, her main message was like that great sex is empowering. Great sex education is meant to empower people. Yes, I, she calls it, what was it? It was pleasure education as well, like pleasure-based education Mm -hmm. that I thought I really liked. And I liked that it was that idea of you never, you should never stop learning about it. Like it goes from teenagehood straight through to like end of life. (laughs) Well, yeah, this is a great point to make a general sexual life cycle that she outlined was just for our listeners 20 in your 20s. She said that sex on average was about 20 or sorry, twice a week in your 20s or so in your 30s. You had less performance anxiety in your 40s. You're more comfortable in sex, but health issues can arise. And two things that she pointed out is that it's completely normal to have erection problems in their 40s. And it's completely normal for women to get dry in their 40s. So not to worry about it. And then moving into your 50s, you hit menopause, but uh, you also need to keep in mind that your body will not be able to bend the way it used to. So this is around the time that people, in order to combat that plateau in your sex life, is to learn new sex positions and new sex furniture. And yes, basically sex gets better in age. So don't worry, or at least, you know, take a deep breath for right now. I think... Yeah, I think it was a really interesting one, especially when she was talking about bad sex. And I had to put for the notes for myself that, yeah, a lot of, like, unfortunately, most of mine, what I've had, like, most of the sex I've had has been bad sex. Um, And a lot of it, I think, is because of a lack of communication, both on my part and my partner's part. And also the lack of education that we do get around it. So I think um, they, I complete, I loved this entire pod, like little, um, clip, yeah, little Ted talk. I thought it was really good. I think it's a very interesting one. Cause I think when she also like 
from the only thing I didn't necessarily agree with completely was when she was talking about when you're in your 50s and 60s, the need for new sex, like new sex um, ways of having sex, this idea of because of vaginal dryness, um, penetration needs to not be the focal point and like the focus on oral. And, and I was like, but that needs to be from 20s, I think. And even yes. from teenagehood, I, you know, I think, what is it? Only 18% of women can actually achieve an orgasm just from penetration alone. So yeah, why is it the be all, why is it when we talk about sex, penetration is seen as the be all and end all of what sex is? <laughs> And it's also such a, a limited, you're right, it's a limited yeah. viewpoint because, uh, again, there's other parts of the body that get missed out, like different yeah. parts, your shoulders, your inner thighs, the back of your legs, things like that. There's yeah. other parts of your body that you should focus on. But yeah, why not bring oral much earlier into I, sex life? <laughs> I know, I love oral. And the really hard part is, and you would think as a lesbian, it would be a massive part of my sex life. That's the problem. My partners don't want to do oral. And I was like trying to explain to them, you're never going to get anything in. <laughs> so you might as well lick around it. And they wouldn't. And I just, yeah, I mean, I say this as someone who hasn't had sex in about six years so but I don't miss it because I do have good orgasms so <laughs> yeah but also like not to do oral it's one of those things like yo if you don't do oral to me I'm not returning the favor how that goes yeah. like both ways but even with the like what she said about empowering like I do feel like our sexual education right now is lacking in the fact that you want to love your bodies like what happened to teaching children at a young age to like really love the bodies that they're in, the skin them they're in? Like that's part of sexual education and empowerment. I totally 100% agree with her that we should not be uh, questioning or even having education that even questions the body that you're in or like you have to love it. Like that is part of loving the whole existence of being down here. Like, and we all have moments where we don't like what we see in the mirror, but that's the whole point where we work through it. Like it's not, the end goal is not to hate the bodies. It's supposed to love our bodies. Yes. And I think, I think you see that in the way she talks about, especially after the age of 30, like these ideas have been like, it's completely normal that the body isn't going to be able to do everything you could when you were 20. That yes. is a completely normal thing, but that's not a bad thing. That's just age. That's just your body moving through its process. And it's also like just movement in general, like sex will change, but so will your exercise routine. Yeah. Same with how you will get on, like on it, like up and down, your energy levels will change. Like it's not, it's one of those things like we can say it will affect your sex life, but it really affects everything. everything. Sex life is just part of it. Exactly. And I think the thing I do find quite interesting, because when she was, when we're talking about like love in your body, I think what needs to also be said is I, th I think she's German, isn't she? The lady, mm. Mar Mariah. So the reason this is an important thing is their sex ed teaches consent at a young age. Mm -hmm. And it, it starts with body autonomy. So it is that idea of when you are a child, you are allowed to tell nanny and granddad, no, I don't want to hug you or I don't want to kiss you. Yeah. 
that's consent and that's how they teach consent and body autonomy and I think those two are like body autonomy especially that is the basis of how to learn to love your body is to know that your body is your own and you can physically like you decide what happens to it yeah because I was I I was gonna say like the only times the times in my life I have hated my body the most is when I have felt less in control of my body. So where I felt, especially when it comes to sex, especially when it comes to like relationships, where I'm, where I've been in situations where people have just felt they've had the right to touch me when I don't want to be touched. People thinking they've like, People believe and they've had the right to grope me, grab me, do whatever they want to me have been the times when I have hated my body the most because it hasn't felt like my own. But when I know that I can say, I don't want you to touch me, you don't get to touch me. That's when I've been the most body confident in myself. And that's when I've loved my body because it's my body and I do things with it for me so like I do pole and I dress sexy for me yeah not for other people and once I got that autonomy back I found like that kind of side of things kind of grew yeah does that make sense no that's good and I to your point like the uh how like this might be a little off topic but the fact that we're teaching kids like no I don't want to touch you I don't want to hug you I think that also we need to teach, I'm not sure where we would teach this, but I do feel like at least in my work, I try to teach adults to ask for affection back, like ask for a hug. If you want that hug, it's the reverse of it. Like sometimes we need a hug or we need contact when we're upset. Like some of us are like that. Like my whole thing is I, you don't have to say you're sorry so much as like, if you come over and you give me a hug. And like, we can bond or like get better over that. Or that makes me feel better when someone's there with me. But yeah, I had to learn how to ask for a hug. That's something on the flip side of that coin, which I got through like BDSM and kink, I think. And overall kinky sexual wellness helped me with that. But yeah, to, for both, like ask if you want space, ask if you need connection. Yes. And I think that's a re- like, cause that's not something that does get taught a lot. We always talk about, it from the side I'm talking of where it's like you don't want it so you've got to learn to say no but I think yeah we should be able to also learn how to say can I have a hug and please can I have a hug but that's the thing like I I never learned how to ask for physical connection but on the inside it was like this is what I want like I want this and until I was able to like point it out on the like actually say no I want physical contact this way um that definitely helped me so much. No, I understand that. It's so Val's very huggy. So I've always had that. Like, I know that if she's upset, she wants a hug, mm-hmm. but I do think uh, not in the same sense of having to learn to ask, but having to learn to ask to be touched the way I want to be touched has definitely been a massive journey for me mm. with regards to sex and wanting sex, if that makes sense. So yeah. I don't like being grabbed from behind because of things that have happened in my past. I do not like it if I can't see the person behind me. So I definitely will never be tied up yeah. <laughs> or I'll be tied down, but you just got to make sure you're, I can see you at all times is basically the way I see it. Yes. But, um, 
learning to have to explain to people I don't enjoy soft touches it creeps me out there is nothing less sexy to me than being tough like grab if you want me grab me yeah obviously don't bruise me unless I've asked for it very nicely hey man we don't know how the body is going to react or respond to any form of impact you just don't know so you know what I mean like don't intentionally go out with the intention of like grabbing me so hard I'm like ow but um firmly firmly hold me with yes I find it way more sexy when people grope like grope and grab like that idea of somebody like kissing up my thighs as they're like holding me mm-hmm. that does it for me because it's firm and I know where their hands are yeah and I know what's coming next I'm like having to learn to say that ju- not just to myself but to a partner has been daunting because you do get, I think, worried that like you're going to get judged or laughed at or like somebody's going to not agree. But then I think if I think about it, this does go back with what she was saying about the difference between 20s and 30s. So I'm right on the cusp of turning 30, well, on the cusp this year. Mm-hmm. Won the last year of my 20s and the... A thing that I thought was quite interesting was she's like, you're having more sex um, in your 20s. Obviously, for me, if I have any sex in my 30s, like, that's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Zero times zero or divided by zero is still zero. (laughs) That's funny. But it's an interesting thing where actually, even though you're having more sex in your 20s, you're not confident and the sex isn't as good until it seems from what she was saying until your thirties because of your confidence with yourself. And I I just don't see that. Sorry to cut you off. Like, I definitely agree with you because I I don't think that um, I think, again, we we think we know what we're doing with sex because we saw it on a video or we saw it on pornography site. But you actually have no fucking clue until you make all those mistakes through maybe like in general, we're generalizing here. So through your twenties and then your thirties, you can kind of iron out those little mistakes or, you know, those learning curves that you went through. But in your forties, like, I like how she said to bring in like different positions, but sex furniture is also some of those things that you can bring in really early. Like if you grab um, an AliExpress, I know they have, like, if you want to go somewhere super, super cheap, if you don't mind waiting, (laughs) it's AliExpress. It's like this do you have it there? Like, I don't know. It's a website in China and everything's like $5. It takes forever to send to you, but it's so cheap, but you can get inflatable pillows that are like corners and rounds and things like that. So as much as it doesn't need to be expensive, because we all know sex furniture is expensive in the West, they're all buying it at bulk for like dirt cheap. And we have the internet. You can buy it for dirt cheap if you wanted to as well. So I don't think we have AliExpress. That's probably over here. It's probably more as a wholesaler. So like that's what brands buy from mm. instead. And then they brand, they like do white, it's like white good sex toys where they basically just buy these in bulk, yeah. put their branding on it, blah, blah, blah. But we do have like, so Love Honey is probably one of the big ones and they do a good selection of sex toy furniture. Um, and if you 
do want custom it is worth going and looking at the independent sex shop so I know there's quite a few in London I know a lot of the kinky ones and like the hardcore ones just because I've got a friend who's into it mm-hmm. and uh, the stories I have heard but um he, they they can do like customizable ones to say that you've got a disability they could physically create something for your comfort and your comfort alone oh, that's rather wonderful. than a bog standard one which would be good which is a good one because obviously not all bodies are the same and not all body like ability is the mobility is the same shall we say and like even what you like can be totally different in the feelings like some people don't like even uh the joke about the orange like you don't like the texture of the orange thing like there are textures that bother other people so some people might not like fluffy or the soft feelings of it maybe people don't like the slick or the slimy type of feelings of those sex toys it all it doesn't matter there's so many (laughs) yep some people don't like the feel of like the coldness of like leather and pvc and metal could be yeah or could even be allergic yeah, that's true. That's true. But uh, another point that I absolutely loved is that you have to learn how to satisfy like yourself. Like she does mention that you don't need a partner for these yeah. things. It does come back into yourself and cause self-pleasure. Yeah. is definitely something that if you aren't, I feel like you should, you need to do it. Who cares if you're in a relationship or not a relationship, you should be doing it. Like I do it. Yeah. Honor does it. Everybody does it. I feel like you should. It's, it's one of those things that you can't be fully relying on another person to get you to have an orgasm. That's ridiculous. And also I find it really weird that narrative, especially within straight spaces that you can't masturbate the minute you're in a relationship. I'm like, why? Why? Yeah. Why? Although I, cause I even, I've laughed. I've got friends who, who have that view and they were like, you know, it's like you're cheating. And I'm like, listen, sometimes when I am masturbating, the thoughts in my head are not about another person. <laughs> no, and it's not. The idea that like, I, I heard this really good quote from uh, a girl from the yoga and it, she said, she found it somewhere else, but I always relate it back to her, but you deeply belong to yourself. And that's what you are. You deeply belong to yourself yeah. first before anybody else. And honestly, like, and it's not because I don't love him. That's ridiculous. Oh. How are you breaking something in a relationship? And sometimes he's just not available. We have crazy schedules. Like, it, what am I going to do? Like all day, I'm not going to go. And, or if he's tired, he comes in late from work or I'm tired. I wake up early. We go like, regardless of what the schedules are, why deny yourself some sort of pleasure fun so I can be happy to go around and be more happy when I'm around him versus vice versa. Exactly. I'm yeah, I'm completely the same. And I do even outside of a relationship when it comes to masturbation, I am a firm believer that it is something everybody should try. If you do not get off, that is fine. There is no judgment. I want to make that clear. I have got many a friend who have gone, tried it, just don't enjoy it. Fine. Masturbation? Yeah. They don't like masturbation. Don't enjoy it. Masturbation. Nope. Don't do it at all. But I've also got friends who are, um, you know, my, the girl that I'm quite, I'm very friendly with. She's very young. And like, she wants to try dating. So we were talking about like, when would you know you're ready? And I was like, well, without being rude, like, have you, have you tried anything? Like, have you tried anything on yourself? No. Okay. Well, I was at, but I think when you 
enjoy like when you know what pleasure is that's when I would say you're probably best to you're probably I think in a good headspace to think about dating or to think about something like that because you know what you bought I'm like but I also I'm a fine believer like, it's the best way to learn what your body likes that's what I was gonna say if you have to at least get yourself off at some point to know what are you thinking about like, what are you thinking about when you get off? Like, that's uh, the big thing. It's not necessarily, can you get yourself an orgasm? It's, is your mind calm enough? Can you calm yourself down? Can you give yourself that self-love and get yourself to that space where you yeah. can't, if you can't, I, I, I don't think you should just give up and not do it. I think that there's something that you might want to explore. One of Mariah's thing is to prioritize your sex and it's to prioritize your sex with yourself as well. Yes. And I do think like, I really liked that bit where she talks about like, you need to prioritize. And I'm like, yes, you do. You know, as somebody who with is using dilators in order to deal with my vagismus, I have a busy life. There are some days like I have things that I do in the evening between like work, social life, gym. Sometimes it is really hard to fit that 15 minutes of practice in because, you know, there's a lot of lube involved and I can't always be bothered. But <laughs> having to be like, okay, so we'll do it. I'll do it middle of the day on my lunch break. I can have a quick shower afterwards. I can do clean up. They say you should do it at the end of the day. And I'm like, yeah, but when I'm really tired, I don't want to. <laughs> really? Just do it at the end of the day? Yeah, because it's when your body like is right before you go to bed because it's when your body's meant to be at its most relaxed and I'm like that makes sense but for me I'm like by the time I've got the pillow in place I've got the towel down I've got the lube everywhere I'm like and I've worked my way up to them I'm like this is what I mean about like different ways to live life I don't think that I do think you have to prioritize it. Like she says, it's only one decision away. It really is just one decision away, whether or not you're going to take hold of your sexual self and your sexual healing, your sexual journey and growth and exploration. If that's something that you're going to choose to do to work on yourself. And I do think that people should be interested in prioritizing their sex life um, because it affects so many other levels of yourself, your self-development, your self-esteem, so many other things. It just all blends together. And on to the second point that she says is to find the best sex education that's relevant for you. Not every sex education is going to be relevant. You're not into everything. No, and I think that is a really important one. Trying to explain to people like, just because we talk about kink and we talk about BDSM, it is saying to people, you just because you don't have to go and do those courses. If you are not interested, don't force yourself to do that. You don't have to take it to the extreme of which you're nervous or scared of. That's the thing. Like people do partake in BDSM and kink more than they'd like to admit. Cause really all you're doing is if you're using your imagination and, you know, adding a couple extra things and maybe you like tap your partner on the butt, those could arguably all be very, very, very oh, yeah. slightest, smallest, softest forms of it. But it, if it's not relevant to you, move on. That's exactly. one of the life lessons. Yeah. Weirdly, I'm not going to sign up to fucking blowjob classes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I don't need, I love bananas, but not that much. That's <laughs> yeah, funny. No, but it's true. It's true. Because sexual education is not a one size fits all. No. And it, it and is I, difficult. I think that's what I, I think that's what she did really touch upon with this of this like this is a generalized idea of what 
a adult sex education could look like mm-hmm. throughout the lifespan but at no point was it something that was necessarily fixed these were all kind of I they were ideas they weren't fixed things of you have to do this and you have to do that it was you know try toys or maybe this or maybe that or the these are the sex this is like the sexual life yeah and understand that if something comes up like you get dry or you have erectional problems it's not your fault it's just how we live like it's just the body being the body but recognizing these things and then trying things because the other bit that I like with her third one was you need to practice and I because I really like that she has this entire time been like it's never too like she said it's never too late for good sex you shouldn't be having bad sex yet you do have to accept that there are going to be times when you're going to fuck up during Mm -hmm. sex you are going to fail you are you know And I do really agree on that one. I think whether you've got a new partner or you and your partner who have been together for 30 odd years have decided to try something new, I think you have to go into it with an open mind of, okay, well, you know, that didn't work that time or something embarrassing happened. I slid off the uh, the sex chair which let's be honest, that probably has happened to a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah. But I do think when it comes to, like, I don't think labeling it as a failure is what you should label it as. Just label it as an experience. And maybe Mm -hmm. it went well, and maybe it didn't. But I think so long as you and your partner can laugh about it, can talk about it, and then can say whether actually, okay, it didn't go really well that time let's try it again or actually you know what they really didn't enjoy it I don't want to do it I think so long as you and your partners can communicate then that failure can turn into a fun experience and a teaching and a learning to help you have good sex absolutely well like sorry to add to that because she says like implement the work right away and that's the thing it's it's practice but also just if you're not going to practice, if you're not going to implement, then nothing's going to change at all. Like there is responsibility. If you want to change your sex life, it comes back to you. The idea that you like these people that are growing up, not pleasuring themselves or not satisfying or not learning how to satisfy their sexual self. I'm worried that if you don't learn how to do it yourself, you're going to put that weight onto somebody else. And eventually it's going to crumble your future relationships because that's unfair for someone to pick up that amount of slack when you're not even like, I'm not like, it's a, I'm sure there's more, there's so many cases of that though. I agree. I think a lot of it, especially when you haven't done anything for yourself, I think one, it leads to so much anxiety around having an orgasm and this idea of pleasing your partner and this idea of your partner being able to please you. But when you don't know what that pleasure feels like for you, everything your partner does is going to be scary. And I think that is a scary thing to have. And that is going to add more pressure and that is going to lead to more bad sex it's not saying you need to be like like I said if you have tried it and you go I don't actually enjoy it I'm not getting anything from it fine 
like you said, if your brain physically is not break it, like it's not able to pause itself for long enough for you to enjoy the sensations. Yeah. Don't keep forcing the issue. That's just going to make you feel worse. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I do think when you're break, when you're going, I've not tried anything, but when I have sex with a partner, it's fine. My partner's going to be the person who gives me an orgasm. My partner's going to be the person who gives and you me don't pleasure. You go, well, they don't, they, they don't know what you like. Well, I, I feel like there's also situations where there's women that don't know what an orgasm feels like. They have sex with somebody and then maybe you got wet, but you didn't have an orgasm. There's two different things. You may yeah. have felt arousal. You may have felt sensations, but you if you don't know what an actual orgasm feels like, I feel like there's going to be some people that are growing up being like, yeah, I think I maybe, uh, did I have an orgasm? Was that, I guess that's an orgasm. And that's where that toxic positivity from last week comes in on the sense of like pretending like it's okay when it's not okay. Yes, I agree. And, but I think when it comes, that's the question everybody asks you, isn't it? Oh, what does an orgasm feel like? And I'm like, I can't explain it to you. Oh, it's like, okay, if I had to though, I would say I went to another planet. Like you leave like you all like all of it. Your your whole body just goes off on fire. Like it's an or it, it cosmic, cosmic <laughs> shit. I feel like all senses just go off all at once. I don't know. I yeah. It's but it's really hard to explain though what the physical sensation of an orgasm is. I'm like, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I've come so hard that I can genuinely feel the muscles spasming. Yeah. And I'm like, that is a part of it. But that whole, the build up to an orgasm. Mm. Because I do think a lot of women who think they haven't experienced an orgasm or a lot of women who haven't experienced an orgasm, I do believe it's because they've started to feel it and then they freaked out about what that feeling is. No, fair enough. I think that's a valid point because it is overwhelming and it's absolutely, it's a whole body takeover. And if you aren't actually, if if you're not prepared for it, and again, I feel like if you haven't orgasmed by yourself and you're reliant on your partner, you might get into a headspace where you're like, I don't know what might happening with my body. I don't want to do anything yeah. that I haven't done before in front of my partner. Like, oh my gosh, I, no, no, no. That's just not how it's supposed to be anyways. Exactly. I always remember having a conversation with a friend about it and it was her partner had gone down on her and she was like, I don't know. It felt weird. So I made them stop. And I was like, but what do you, what does that mean? Yeah. Is it, it felt weird and you physically didn't like it or is it, it felt weird because it felt good. Yeah. And sometimes it, it like, feels oh. so good. It's again, overwhelming. So yeah. Yeah, and they were like, well, you know, I was worried I was going to wee. I was worried I was going to wet myself. And I was like, to be honest, that is sometimes what an orgasm feels like. That's part of the process. Like, haven't we heard of, like, squirting? Like, that's what I mean. Girl, maybe you're a squirter. Like, hey, like, maybe I'm the first one to say it. Like, there's that's what I mean. If you don't even know at all, you can scare yourself. It's like I saw a cute little video of, like, a baby panda, and it sneezed, and it scared itself because it didn't know what it sounded like echoed and it's one of those things like you're surprised by what your body's capable of doing exactly because I think especially if you do mess but like the first few times you do it you might not get it yeah you might might not not orgasm like that's the thing like don't think that you have to orgasm for yourself on the first try either no practice and it also 
it does take a while, I think, because you don't know what you do. Well, I think what really needs to be said when it comes to masturbating, especially the first few times, is we're all just rooting down their blind, especially vulva owners. We are all just rooting down there blindly and hoping we enjoy something. <laughs> well, if we learned anything from the OM one is that it's in the, what she say? The top right quadrant of your vagina. Like it was very, this, <laughs> the very, this is where it is scientifically. I thought that was funny. So aim for that top part, guys. But, yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, because the fact, like, everybody vaguely tells you where the clit is. Mm-hmm. But it is small. It is small. And when you don't really know what you're doing, let's be honest, you are on your back, legs akimbo. Just jockeying your way down there. For anybody who can't see the video, I look amazing, by the way. <laughs> like, spread eagle, there we go. Yeah. Searching for it. Whoa! It's one of those where when you've got like, and then you hit you, and then like obviously because you are aroused, you 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 clit gets blood to it. So next mm-hmm. minute you, it's almost like you push a button and you go oh, so then you go and look for it again. Yeah, it's like an electric circuit, just like yeah. you got yeah electric circuit. You'd get that electricity going through your yes. veins. But you know what? It, but I was like, but it is. And I think the problem is, I think for a lot of people who don't masturbate or have masturbated, haven't enjoyed it or haven't gotten anything from it and therefore will never do it again. I think they think everybody else has this like heart, this manual hardwired into their brain of they know exactly where to push, exactly what to do, blah, blah, blah. No, we're yeah. all figuring it out. That's why like sex toys were great for me as a teenager because I didn't know what I was doing. I just They're just a great around. benefit. Yeah, I was like, and, you know, because it took me a long time to be able to come with my fingers. But I do think it is, yeah, it is that idea of like practice, practice, practice. And also making time for masturbation is a very important thing. But I am aware we are nearly out of time, so I will stop rambling. <laughs> no, it's okay. Well, just one more point. I think it's also like it's again, it's not just like, oh, you touch yourself and you get off. Like it starts in the mind. Yes. Yeah. You got to bring it back to that even before you physically touch yourself. You got to sit down and talk with yourself. But yes, yeah. to end this, I guess we'll just go over Mariah's three biggest sexual education takeaways from the video. So the first one was, as we said, prioritize your sex. It's only one decision away. So if your nights are busy, schedule morning dates instead or schedule morning times instead. Find the sex education that's relevant to you. Such sexual education is not a one size fits all at all. And the third piece of advice is implement the work right away and practice. Implementing is what's going to make the change in the first place. Remember, you need to try and fail in order to learn. So with that, I hope everyone has a great day. And thank you so much, Katrina, for this episode. Thank you so much for having me. And we will see you next week. Yes, I will be back next week. Sorry, we've, we're still getting You're on the show. Changes. Stop. I know. Oh, we I was, keep I was like, changing. <laughs> That's it. Kat and Katrina on Mondays, guys. So we will see you next week. And everybody have a great day. Well, that's it for us. Make sure to follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. You can find me at the partition underscore life. And you can find Katrina at underscore satisfied cat. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week. And as always, stay kinky.